Blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian, joined as always by John Buxbaum. What's happening out on the East Coast? Did you also enjoy the snow day today? We got a little snow this morning and had a great day. It was a fun game week for me. I know not as much for you, Brian. Oh, we'll get into that, Bucks. We'll get into that. I am honked off like a goose, though. Let's just uh, start it with that. Oh, she show, she show. So as of this recording, we just should let all of our listeners know that we are officially into the festive fixture run. There's going to be a huge crush of game weeks coming back to 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 back. Oh, I'm stuck here, but they're coming. They're coming fast and they're coming furious. We have the next game week. Game week 14 kicks off on Tuesday, less than 48 hours from right this moment. So the most important thing to have right now is a short memory. All right. Because we have, you know, these game weeks coming in every three or four days. You got to make the right transfer moves, but just have a kind of a view of your team ready to make moves and understand that next game week is coming very quickly and hopefully things will turn around. Absolutely. And with an eye on the future, let's first just recap what happened in game week 13, starting with how Brian's team did. Tell him, tell him, baby. Well, Bucks, this is going to have to be a episode marked with the E, not safe for work. Oh, just an absolute shit show for me this game week. You know, I felt like I was in a good place to hit in Jota or bring Jota in and then Chilwell gets injured midweek in Champions League, and that is obviously a a huge weak link for me. Ultimately, I don't have Jota or Vardy this game week, so I end up on a whopping 50 points. Um, Small small red arrow, to be honest. Uh, Ended up being 20K red arrow, so I'm now 144K overall. Uh, Look, this was a brutal way to start my Sunday morning. Wake up at 5 a.m., check my messages, and trusty old Bucks on the East Coast has said that the Burnley and uh, Spurs game has been canceled because of snow. And I, I was like, this has got to be some cruel joke because I was holding on to what little hope I had left to restore my rank this game week, hoping that Sun would do the business. He dominates Burnley <laughs> and has for the last couple of years. And so he's not playing. So that's a sunk cost to my team. And then adding uh, chin salt to injury, we have basically Foden nowhere to be found either. So I'm just in a a tough spot. I really wanted to go back to bed, but there were a few interesting matches on. So I I gutted it out, but I uh, I was less active in the chats than normal, I would say, Buck. So honestly, it was just one of those game weeks where you can't wait for it to be over. And thankfully, we have midweek fixtures coming up. So 50 points for me all out. Um, Not much to report other than the likes of Trent with nine points. Uh, Ramsdale had seven Sala captain with 12 and Ivan Tony chipped in have held him for a while. He had nine points as well. So um, my playing bench brought in four points and my expensive attackers and son and Foden didn't play. So womp, womp, fucking womp. <laughs> Not what you want to see. And Brian took it uh, game week, but uh, it wasn't as big an L as the Burnley grounds crew. They didn't get out of bed in the right way this morning and they really shat the bed uh if we're going pg-13 and rated r for this episode that was uh pretty bad to see on the flip side i had a pretty strong game week i ended up with 70 points and just a overall quality showing from my squad 22k green arrow up to 20,000 overall ranking huge, in the world huge. 
So that feels good. And it's getting me back on track to where I'm hoping to be uh, for the rest of the season, climbing little by little. So just worth seeing that there were key contributions from some of my immediate transfer moves. Brian mentioned Jota. He's one of the newest members of my team. Sala captain, always good for FPL points. And Trent Alexander-Arnold gets nine. Then I have Vardy. He's been in my side for a while and I've stayed the course. He drops a dozen points. Tony also longtime faithful on team bucks. He gets a penalty kick goal and three points for nine points and Ramsdale. He's just been incredible. I think he's the standout budget goalkeeper at this point. He gets seven points. He was bested by one of the other budget options, Robert Sanchez, who ends up with eight points game in and game week out. Ramsdale is just making exceptional save after exceptional save, and he's going to be getting those save points on a regular basis, and he's probably going to be getting bonus points more often than not when Arsenal do the business. So that's great to yeah, see. For sure. and he he was the right move after I made the wrong move to David Raya. So great to see there. And yeah, just that that's worked out really nicely for you, Bucks. Honestly, like although it cost you a transfer. Um, you've come in for some great hauls from Ramsdale and, you know, thinking if you would have had Raya instead, you'd probably be 15, 20 points less uh, at this time. So I think it worked out uh, in your favor, all things considered. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I can't say that the transfer moves were the highlight or the smartest move I made this game week because the real highlight came off the pitch in real life. COVID and booster shots are all available in the state. So I was able to host a couple of our mini league managers to watch the Sunday fixtures. Want to shout so out. So good. Yeah, Sonia, Trevor, and Lucas. They all were able to come over and watch the matches. And even though Chelsea earn a draw and drop points to United, who are Sonia and Trevor's team, it was still a blast getting to meet them in person and watch the matches. So hoping that everyone who listens, Brian, me and you, we can get together and just watch some great football matches with mates. I mean, that's that's what this game is all about. The FPL is a really great community. And so uh, community first, getting together and drinking a beer or having a whiskey, that's the way to go. <laughs> Bucks, what was the spread here? You're hosting some friends here. What was the spread? Do we have any uh, bagel and locks? Do we have um, some espresso martinis? What, what do we have here on the East Coast? I'm not going to rat everyone out with their bagel orders, but we had bagels. We had some coffee, some whiskey, uh, fruit <laughs> plate. Uh, there were some mini quiches. Thank you, Trader Joe's, oh, wow. for sponsoring the mini quiche plate. Uh, but yeah, it was a proper was spread, though. Good, good work. Good work, Bucks. I would come over for that. Yeah, for sure. And we got more of it. So next game week, or if you're free on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, there's football matches to watch. And I got a couch and and good options to eat and to drink. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a big distraction from my uh, professional life, uh, trying to get through this weekend, watch you know a couple hours of football in the middle of the day, and then still be answering emails and doing uh, Zoom calls all week for work. So it's going to be an interesting balance. So Luckily, I think you'll have hopefully a little bit more time to uh, catch me up on any matches I miss. Will do. And just before we go to our first break, we want to shout out the game week average was 44 points. So both Brian and I beat the average, uh, one of us by a little more than the other. And the manager of the game week, it was a three-way tie in the FPL Blues podcast mini league at 72 points. So kudos to Randy. Trevor, who was sitting next to me on the couch, gloating a little bit, and Corey, who all smashed it this game week. And really special note to Corey, his team, Pepe Pig, 
have now risen to the top spot in the FPL Blues Podcast Super League. He's taken over from Amar by just a few points, but is now sitting atop the table there. And so that's a great way to uh, top the game week scoring and also top the mini league that you're in. So credit and huge shout well done. out to Corey on that. Yeah, I mean, Amar was at the top of the Super League standings for probably a good six to eight weeks. Nobody could catch him. So we finally have a new person at on the throne. Corey is in the top 10K for the first time ever in his FPL career. So, you know, kudos to him. And hopefully he can continue his surge towards the top of the rankings. So, I mean, at this point of the season, if you're top 10K, you know, you're you're gunning for a, a top 1K overall finish um, as we're kind of at the third way through the season. So well done and keep at it. Yeah. And with that, again, shout out to all the members of our FPL Blues podcast mini league. I hope that we'll be able to shout out all of you over the course of the season. And thank you for being involved and for listening. With that, let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to recap and highlight the most notable top scoring players from game week 13. And we're back. We're going to run through some of the most notable top scores in the FPL game from this past weekend. So one of the top point scores was James Madison, who comes onto the scene. He's now 6.6 million and he gets 16 big points for Lester. He has an easy chip in goal and then he can bind with Vardy for two assists as well in this one, claiming max bonus. So He's a player that runs very hot and cold. And if you can get him at the right moments, he can definitely bring in some double digit hauls. And Bucks, I particularly like that with Thielman's out for another couple game weeks or so. He's going to be their driving engine from a creative standpoint. So if he can stay healthy, he might be one of those good mid price mids to uh, switch on to. Any thoughts here on Matto? Yeah, he looks spectacular in the match. And this was a interesting match for him to feature and really sparkle in because the weather was so bad. He's really a finesse player. So the fact that yeah. he gets 16 FPL points, a goal and two assists in a match that was really in the mud, so to speak, it was really in the snow, but this is a match you wouldn't expect a player. Mm-hmm. That's all about uh, kind of touch and, and creativity to have such a, a strong showing. And he looked exceptional. He's definitely uh, earned a spot on my watch list with that performance. Yeah, and they have the likes of Southampton, Villa, Newcastle, Tottenham, and Everton in their next five. So obviously, those are great fixtures um, to put up goals. I think a lot of those will be close matches, but there will be goals in them. And he's a player that's on corner kicks. He takes a lot of free kicks, and that's where that those finesse plays can come out. But if the likes of Vardy start to round into better form, he'll have uh, you know avenues to get assists as well. So somebody to keep in mind, especially when we see some of the other mid-priced mids, uh, Rafinha, who I own at 6.6 million, he could be an easy swap in a couple of game weeks to somebody like James Madison. Next up, let's talk about the Portuguese star at Liverpool, who I do not have. So I'm going to hand this one to you, Bucks. This was a, this was a ball breaker this weekend. So you can uh, sing his praises and give us the rundown. Diego, go, 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 Jota, 7.7 million. He looked exceptional uh, featuring in the Liverpool front three. I would say he's probably the priority add uh, going into game week 14. If you don't have him yet, he's still affordable. He's an easy swap for players like Foden, for players like Havertz. If you've 
kept the faith, even if more expensive players, uh, he's outperforming them. And Liverpool right now are the far and away best offensive side in the Premier League. We've been saying that for a couple of game weeks now. He ends up with a brace and he definitely could have had more. I think he left some meat on the bone in this match against Southampton, but he gets the brace one bonus point, 14 FPL points, which is really the difference between a small red or a healthy red arrow and a, a kind of comfortable green arrow this game week. Wow. Wow. Just, just adding salt to the wound. Twist here, the Bucks. knife, twist the knife. Yeah. Twisting the knife. Why don't you take it out of my back? You're supposed to be my pod partner, be supportive. And uh, man, that one, that one hurts, but 14 points. And he's a player that again, when Salah and Mane go to play in the African cup of nations, he's going to be their most nailed attacker. Um, obviously it's going to be tough for Liverpool when those players leave, but you know, his price at 7.7 and is just going to continue to rise. So he's a player you want to jump on now. And he's just plays so centrally for Liverpool. There's so many times when, you know, Salah is, getting the ball out on the wing, overlapping with Trent, but still like playing the ball into Jota, you know? So he's really playing that center forward role on this team and is classified as a midfielder. So out of position, that's something you obviously always want to target in FPL and you can't go wrong with this guy. Yeah, and worth mentioning, he played the most advanced of all of the Liverpool players. He was the closest to the opposing goal on average throughout the whole match. So Definitely a player who's in the middle of their attack and their attack scores a lot of goals. So there's a lot of points and opportunity for him to get FPL returns. Man, they could have hung six or seven goals in this game. You know, Southampton has been playing very well, obviously even pulled out a draw, a nil-nil draw earlier in the season versus Manchester City and the likes of Livermento have been fantastic. But this was a game where Liverpool's experience and talent just from the opening kick, absolutely on full display. And I would not be surprised if we see the likes of Salah and, and Mane and Jota continue to score all of their goals, uh, which is great for FPL. You know who their goal scorers are, whereas it's hard to judge week to week where Chelsea or City are going to get their goals because they come from a, a wider variety of players. So he's he's the player to, to add to your team uh, this game weekend. He, honestly, he's also you know worth a hit. I think that that's something that you can also consider because if you're going to keep him for the next couple months, next month at least, he's going to make up those points for your team. Yeah, good shout on the predictability of the goal scores. Next up is a player who doesn't get on the score sheet so often, also plays for Liverpool, Virgil van Dijk, arguably the best center back in world football. He snags a goal, gets the clean sheet, ends up, ends up with max three bonus points for 15 points against Southampton. He was just revolutionary, and I think him being back and fully fit for Liverpool is just giving them the ability to be a true contender to win the Premier League and potentially win uh, some more silverware in global football this season. I mean, he's an absolute beast. He allows them to play out of the back with a lot of confidence. He's so cool, calm, and collected when other players are tiptoeing around the box and he's able to step in at the right time for so many defensive challenges, so many blocks. And, you know, he's got good size on him. I don't think um, I would expect him to score, you know, too many goals, but he'll have, you know, three or four throughout the whole season um, because he's good in the air as well. And this one was, this goal is actually scored, um, you know, from his foot, which is, you know, a little bit less common for him off those set pieces. But overall, I would still rank bringing Jota in as your third Liverpool player. 
assuming that all competitive managers have Trent and Salah uh, in their sides, I would prioritize Jota first. And then, um, you know, maybe down the line, if there are some injuries, VVD might come into play. I forgot to say this uh, regarding Jota, but fun fact, less than 10% of the FPL game has Salah, TA and Jota, all three of them at this point in time. So again, all three of them did return. Virgil van Dyke did as well as did Andy Robertson. So I'd say, I would say that it's worth having the Liverpool triple up at this point in the season. They're just in form and you're pretty much knowing that their attacking players are going to get returns and then their defensive players are, are getting into the attack uh, on a regular basis. So they're the ones to uh, triple up on right now. Next up is Ilkay Gundogan, 7.2 million for city. He scores a goal. Unfortunate for Brian and I, he was really in the Foden spot all day uh, for City in this match. And you know what? He's an exciting player. He normally is a more defensive-minded midfielder, but we saw glimpses of him going forward and being box-to-box and then playing in the opposing box last season. And so he was just spectacular. He ends up with 14 points. And I think you know, he kind of gets a credited with a phantom assist. Didn't really look like he even touched the ball, but it counts for <laughs> FPL all the same. So if you had Ilkay Gundogan, huge differential and a huge uh, point haul for him for your squad. So kudos on that. Yeah. Shout out to Nick Hazi, who was watching that replay maybe 10 to 100 times. He said that he couldn't understand how. Gundo got credited with the assist when it really looked like it came in real time from Jesus. But any any FPL assist is a is a good is a good take uh, those sign for for your team. Yep, take those points. And I think especially looking at the mid priced midfielder options at Manchester City, the likes of Bernardo, aka Bilva. Then you have Foden, you have Gundo. These are all quality players. Um, you know they're gonna yo yo up and down in points, but you know how solid, you know, City is, and and they just get a lot of tap-in goals. I think that's one of the things that um, you you'll see very commonly with some of these kind of center attacking midfielders at City is that they just dominate possession in the final opponent's third, and that really just results in some fizzes across the box from uh, likes of Cancelo or Walker and easy tap-in. So. I think these are three players we'll definitely have to consider because City's run coming up, um, as uh, Fantasy Football Hub notes, they have the number one ranked uh, fixture run in the next six game weeks. And maybe having Cancelo might not be enough. So we'll talk about that a little bit later as well as we had some community questions there. Last player we want to highlight is Jamie Vardy. It's always a party in the Vardy household. And today was Vardy no different. Party. He was making snow angels and he was definitely warming my heart. Uh, despite the cold weather at King power, he ends up with a brace and three bonus to end up on 12 points total, which is a great haul. And I think it's a worthy reward to any FPL managers who stayed with Jamie Vardy and didn't rush to transfer him out after a spell of bad results. He's just so clinical when he gets the opportunities. He really is a master finisher. So uh, really good showing from him. That chip goal from the left side um, was was just inch perfect and exactly what you want to see from your striker, whether they're in form or not. That's the kind of classy goal that could right the ship. So Vardy did that today in a big way. 
Yeah, and Watford are a very attacking bottom of the table team, and they will continue to score goals, but they consistently give up, you know, three to four versus top tier opponents. So this was a great fixture for Vardy to get back on track. And given the lack of goal scoring we've seen from those premium forwards who we thought were all going to be on pace for 20 plus goals, um, you know, he he's the one that stood out today specifically. And moving forward, you know, a lot of managers had other holes in their teams to fix. So he kind of just stayed in your team and like he did for you, Bucks, and uh, you're rewarded with 12 big points. I mean, Vardy had five shots in the box as well in this match. So that's also a great sign of more um, more attacking returns to come. Absolutely. And and he's just, he's a lock. I think, especially going into the fixture run that we have coming up with games on games on games, just knowing that your FPL players are going to feature game in and game out. And I think Vardy has earned that respect and that role at Leicester to be there you know, doesn't matter who's pairing with him. He's going to be getting minutes. So he's, yeah. he's unless, unless of side. course they're uh, unless of course, you know, your star players uh, games get canceled from snow, you know, that's uh, that's another fucking problem that some of us have. <laughs> oh, All right. Let's, let's keep it rolling. Uh, Statement wins from Liverpool city and Arsenal, Chelsea, our team, they dropped the bag and they, earn a disappointing draw at home against United. Uh, impressive yeah, let's, showing. Let's, let's, un- let's unpack that one a bit, Bucks. You know, I thought this was a, a very tough result for Chelsea because they they dominated that game, but one mistake, you know, cost them big time. Um, so what were your thoughts? You know, could could have uh, Jorginho have done anything different there to basically save us, um, save us in that match? So I'd say he definitely should have just headed the ball. That was a, a tactical mistake from the defensive and kind of uh, controlling midfielder. He's in such great form just over the last year that I feel like I'm not surprised that he kind of went to take an audacious touch and control when the ball is coming down right. from the heavens. But uh, it was, it was honestly, it was a little bit of reminiscent of a Steven Gerrard moment uh, against Chelsea. So this time it goes the wrong way. Mm-hmm. He misplays it and then doesn't even make the effort to track back. And good on Jaden Sancho. He gets his first <laughs> Premier League goal. He, he, he honestly, he honestly did not make a single effort to take two more steps. He just like was furious at himself, but he was like, I, I can't do anything more. This is this is absolutely effed. So um, it he was tried funny. to he get out of like the frame. The, he was like, uh, I don't yeah. want to be I don't want to be sulking <laughs> as this guy goes uh, one on zero uh, oh, down the pitch. So that was disappointing. Yeah. I think Chelsea definitely, as you mentioned, they they controlled this match. Ed. They probably should have done better with the chances that they had. They had 15 corners. So that's just an absurd total in what's supposed to be a level and or if not, you know, top versus top side. So disappointing from Chelsea. I think both sides were a little bit fortunate to score goals at all. I think probably if you're looking at this from a uh, neutral perspective, this was really a zero, zero type match. Uh, Not, not humbling either team with getting a goal. Yeah. And just to add, obviously Sancho scored uh, his first goal for Manchester United midweek in champions league. And that was a big goal to kind of kick off his career. Now he's bringing that form. He's getting a couple starts in a row. So somebody who is obviously very creative for Manchester United side that could come good with this kind of, um, you know, Ole out situation. Plus they have amazing fixtures coming up. They have the second uh, highest rated fixture run in the next six behind Manchester City. So, 
you love that. And I know most teams at this point in time don't have any players from United, but in a few game weeks, um, when they play the likes of Crystal Palace, Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, and Newcastle, we're going to want some piece of that team. And we're just going to give them a few more weeks to see how it settles. But at 8.9 million, Sancho is definitely, he's, he has the opportunity to enter our, our watch lists and potentially move into our midfield at some point. Yeah, great call. I think Man United will be on the watch list for a lot of top FPL managers in the next couple of game weeks. We do want to just make sure to cover some of the games that we're looking ahead to in game week 14. And again, that begins this Tuesday. And there are two marquee matchups. There's the Liverpool Derby between Liverpool traveling to Everton for that match. And then Arsenal go to Old Trafford to face off against United. Both those should be wildly entertaining matches. I think they'll both be a little more cagey. Uh, I expect Liverpool to put it on Everton as they have been putting it on most of the Premier League. Uh, And then there's a really amazing matchup that has huge importance outside of the FPL game, and that is Norwich traveling to Newcastle for a battle for relegation spots. Norwich are right now cruising. They have three results in three matches. (laughs) two wins and a draw and Newcastle that new manager bounce bucks new manager bounce might be a real thing incredible Dean Smith has these boys rejuvenated but Newcastle they have yet to get off the snide they still have zero wins on the season so they really need a result in this one but for FPL managers the matches to really target I think are Leicester going to Southampton and Chelsea traveling to Watford yeah, I love those fixtures. I'm a little bit worried about Chelsea's starting 11 uh, at the midweek. Obviously, Watford are a team that our second unit should be able to handle pretty easily. So it'll be interesting if there's any rotation for players who've been playing a lot of minutes lately, like a Reese James, like Rudiger. Um, that, that's definitely something that uh, I'm actively thinking about. But at the same time, uh, whoever is in there, I'm expecting Chelsea to come back with a really energized performance after this draw to Man U. And uh, they look to uh, hopefully maybe get Lukaku some minutes as well. I came off off the bench. You know, he hasn't featured in about six game weeks. So great to see him back on the pitch and, uh, you know, a get right flat track bully type of game versus Watford could be uh, very interesting for, for the blues. So uh, those are great matches though, Bucks. I'm, I'm excited again, just riffing here a bit Norwich versus Newcastle. I mean, this this game could go any number of ways, um, but I'm, I'm expecting there to be goals. And, you know, the Dean Smith new manager bounce is like, hey, maybe just pick some of your most talented players like Cantwell, like Billy Gilmore. It's not that difficult. So um, I'm not surprised that they he's injected those younger guys into the squad and they've already seen an uptick in their performance. Yeah. And Brandon Williams, who also looked great and uh, returned finally oh, yeah, for man, some FPL from FPL managers. Let's take a break. When we come back, we want to dive into the listener questions, and then we're going to get out of here with our transfer and captaincy selection. When we're back. All right. It's the community roundup. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to answer your questions here and we have a lot of them. So thank you very much for sending those through on a Sunday during a holiday weekend. So um, this might be a game week late, but Wanted to figure out who are the best Ben Chilwell replacements. Bucks, I went immediately to Alonzo as a punt. 
Uh, he's 5.6 million. So it was an easy swap for me, but uh, who else are you thinking would be kind of your fourth defender? If you already have Reese James, Trent and Cancelo in your side. So seeing this match week, I think doesn't change my thinking all that much. I think if you didn't have Reese James, he's the number one top priority. They're pretty much the same price. So figure out a way to get in Reese James as a replacement for Ben Chilwell. Even if you have to take a hit, I still think that's the right move. Second would be Marcus Alonso. He's slightly cheaper than Bill Chilwell, so you'll be saving some shekels there. And they play the same position. And Alonso looked really good in this match against United. He didn't get a return, but uh, he was taking corners and had a couple of opportunities to create some chances. So he looked good as a non-Chelsea option and almost a little bit of a punt. I think Tariq Lamptey, former Chelsea player, looked incredible for Brighton and he was storming up his side of the pitch. He played great cover on defense. Obviously Brighton end up with a clean sheet, but don't get a return. But Tariq Lamptey is hard done by that result because he really should have had at least one assist. Mape did not do the business. Mape had like the most underachieving performance award from this week. He easily could have had a brace off of Lamptey's great assists and I wish we could all get to a point where we could be like, I love Lamp every week, but he's a player that I still, I worry about his, his own management within a game because he turns on the jets all the time when he might not need them. And he's always ah. had these hamstring problems and it's just, it'll be interesting to see as he matures and gets more minutes with Brighton this year, if he can kind of start to manage that jet pack that he has. Obviously, he's a five, five foot five speedster, but there are times where I just see him sprinting too hard for no reason. And uh, that obviously comes with experience as well. But just something to note that, you know, if you bring him in, he, he does, you know, pro- kind of provide some risk as well, but could be, could be worth it as Brighton are continuing to keep clean sheets elsewhere. And I know, Bucks, you and I both have the likes of Shane Duffy as our fifth defender. And man, I would love to have Lamptey, who is, only 4.4 million in that slot instead. Don't remind me. Let's go to the next one. Bagdeep asks best Man City player um, outside of Jao Cancelo. This is a really open-ended question. I kind of love it. City, as Brian mentioned, have the best run of fixtures. They're one of the de facto best three teams in the Premier League this season, but they're getting a lot of returns from a lot of different players. So Brian, who's your choice? I'll give you mine when, uh, when you're done. Oh, just trying to enter the mind of Pep and play his mind games. And it's always a tricky one because managers want a piece of City. I think in our sides, we really have Cancelo and that's it, right? I think some of us have punted on Foden. Uh, He's obviously picked up a knock. So I think long-term Foden is still the best asset, but given the rotation and given he's kind of playing heavy minutes in Champions League as well, because Pep views him as their best um, eleven. I think that the the cheaper options like a Gunduan or Bernardo Silva are going to provide a lot of opportunities to get points throughout the season. You're not expecting, you know, Gunduan does have a higher propensity for double digit hauls, right? Like he can he he has braces in his locker, whereas Bilva is probably going to tick along with some six to eight pointers throughout the season. So for me, I always like to punt on the player that is has a little bit more goal threat um, just in that price bracket. So I would probably lean Gundogan, but um, 
I think both options are, are great. And coming up here, we're going to have some, some changeover in the fixtures and you're going to want to have at least two Man City players um, because they are so talented. Yeah, I echo what Brian said. Foden is the clear standout. When he's healthy, he returns pretty much match in, match out, and he plays so attacking for a city. He's really their only true false nine option on the current club uh, right now. So he's number one. Number two might actually be Ruben Dias for me. He's not so expensive, and I think he is someone who could also be considered a natural Ben Chilwell replacement. He's not as exciting because he doesn't play wing back, but he is pretty locked in that side. He's having a down season considering how incredible he looked last season, but that's still better than 95% of other premier league players and FPL players. So yeah, I think it's really tough to, it's really tough to go with Diaz. I had him for a couple of game weeks earlier and I've, really like his nailedness in a side. Um, but you're just not going to get very many attacking returns. And with the fullbacks and wingbacks really dominating the point totals this year, it's just worth it's just worth going after those players, I think, if you want a kind of higher ceiling type of player. But he's, you know, he's obviously going to play 95% of their matches throughout the season. The only two matches he was rested recently was coming off of international break where he's been featuring heavily for Portugal because they're in a World Cup qualification battle to even make the World Cup. Um, you know, the the next qualification which is shocking. We're gonna which see, is shocking. <laughs> yeah, it's it's shocking, but we're gonna see either Italy or Portugal miss out on the World Cup in 2022, which is that's Crazy. like a that shouldn't happen, but that's where both of those teams find themselves. So um anyway, I think he's he's obviously a, a talented player and somebody that's gonna get you a lot of sixes in your side, but less upside. All right. Next question comes from Dave. He asks, who are some of the best picks for FPL from the bottom half of the table? Um, let's each take one and and then maybe we can discuss. Bucks, so I'll let you kick it off. I actually have to pull up the, uh, the actual table here to see who is officially bottom. Is 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 United still in bottom half? No, no. They're eighth place they're right eighth now. now. I know yeah. they were they're like 10th place coming into today. So uh, I was going to have a cheeky answer there, but uh, oh, go ahead. That's, you can start cheating. Off, that's cheating. For me, the answer, <laughs> there's two clear answers. I think for me, number one would be Cornette on Burnley. He's been a total revelation for that side. I think it's fair to say that he's the best FPL asset ever to play on Burnley in recent memory. Whoa, so, whoa, uh, whoa. No, wait. I mean, you're, you're having a short memory last year, Bucks, in the final 12 games. Uh, Chris Wood did have ah, like who, who, 11 sure, goals. Sure. I think he had 11 or 12 goals in, in 12 weeks. So I'll, 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 I'll give you, I'll give you the nod though, that he is very attacking and he looks to be playing, um, you know, as that second striker for Burnley who have been a little bit more open in their play style. And he's just a player that uh, pops off the screen with his finishing ability. Absolutely. I think he's, he's the first player in my time where I watch Burnley and I actually get excited because he has such clear talent and some of the shots that he's, and some of the opportunities that he's turning into chances, they're audacious and his skill level is just hmm. remarkable. So uh, I'm very impressed with him as a player. And I think he's going to return in FPL. The next one comes from, from Watford. And I, I know they're, they're a weird side and they have 
really tough fixtures for the next couple of game weeks. But Josh King, he's healthy. He's getting 90 minutes every match under Claudio Ranieri, and he's a budget option for forward. And now we know that he is taking penalties. He's 5.6 million. I expect by the time this coming weekend's fixtures come around in game week 15, he'll be more expensive than that. He's probably going to start to approach 6 million before we are able to blink an eye. So he's a player that I would want to have. Uh, if I could easily get him with a extra transfer this game week, I'd bring him in and bench him, but he's a player that's going to allow your FPL side a lot of flexibility because of the funds that he frees up. And I also like the fact that he's just a, a veteran uh, premier league player, you know, had some good years um, at Bournemouth. He's been a player who has seen all these teams and just finds a way to get in the right spots. And, uh, at his price tag, even if he you know rises a few times, he's still going to be a great budget option. His penalty kick was very well taken today. Incredible. Uh, the goalie guessed right, and he still uh, just had a immense power on it and the placement. And that just goes to show how confident he is. So I, I like that shout, Bucks. Um, you know, looking at the table at the moment, again, I think you know Lester is sitting in tenth place. I think James Madison could be a, a future differential at that mid-priced tier. Definitely keep an eye on him. Um, Crystal Palace Gallagher is kind of one of those players that you can start um, in some of the the easy matches and have him be your first bench slide in harder matches. Obviously had a double-digit haul against City when they pulled off that upset, so I still like him. Um, and then Aston Villa, I think, is quietly a team. Uh, they currently sit 13th in the table, but um, they have a few tough matches coming up, but Ollie Watkins is a player that we love on this podcast, and he's 7.3 million. I think when they have their fixtures turn in game week 17, he, or sorry, game week uh, 16 or 17, he's going to be a player that might be a good replacement for the likes of Jimenez. So keep an eye on, on those folks. I think those are uh, my shouts at the moment. Awesome. Oh, and then yeah. also, sorry, just want to shout out one other player. Bamford is, you know, he's been MIA this whole season with this, crazy ankle injury but when he comes back into the fold i think they're really going to help he's going to help move leads away from that relegation zone and he links up so much better with the likes of rafinha so he's a player obviously we don't have a specific day he's going to be back but once he does come back he's going to be instantly on my watch list a uh, great shout on on bam bam and also dcl he's kind of the forgotten man in oh, everton man. Both those guys have just been injured and the injury news doesn't seem to be getting better, which is frustrating. And they, they dominated it. They dominated last year during stretches, right? Like these guys both scored about 15 to 20 goals, had some assists as well. So they were primetime performers. So hopefully we'll get those guys back in our thoughts and have some more uh, quality mid-priced uh, forwards to choose from. Great question, Dave. Next one is from Harrison. I do want to just quickly, before we get to the question, Give Harrison a huge congratulations. He proposed to his girlfriend, now fiance Caroline. They were on holiday in London. Congratulations to the both of you. Damn. And I'm hoping that the yes that she said is still on after he dragged her to a Brentford Everton match in the freezing cold this oh, game week. Wow. So uh, you are a trooper, Caroline. Huge credit to you and congrats again to both of you. Hey, congrats, Harrison, on uh, choosing your perma captain. That's a big time move. We love to see it. So the question is, should 
the return of Romelu Lukaku to fitness and Jamie Vardy really showing up this game week change our thinking about the premium striker position? Brian? I mean, if you have Vardy in your side, you happily hold him. Obviously, you're, you've just been uh, rewarded for your patience, but I am not rushing to get in the likes of Lukaku or Ronaldo. Obviously, Ronaldo is benched in this game um, versus Chelsea because uh, Carrick decided to play kind of three midfielders, um, Fred, McTominay, and Matic to kind of combat the possession that Chelsea usually has in the midfield. And to be honest, like it didn't work out great, but it, they did enough to, to get the point today. So um, I, I thought that took some balls because most people just bow down and kiss the earth that Ronaldo you know, walks on, but he doesn't press at all. So I'm very interested to see again, when Ragnick comes in, it, you know, how many minutes Ronaldo, you know, gets, will he play two out of three matches? And if he's not pressing and not, you know, hustling on the, on the field, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So I, Obviously, again, man, you have a huge fixture run coming up, but at his price tag at 12.4 million, oof, if there's any rotation risk, I don't want any part of that. And uh, I think Chelsea are so deep, they're going to take their time bringing Lukaku back as well. What do you think, Bucks? So I think it's a difficult position. If you have Vardy, you're going to hold him. If you have Kane, obviously the match got canceled, which is frustrating, but he has great fixtures yet to come. So you probably hold Kane. And if you have Ronaldo, you know, him being benched doesn't change anything for me. You probably don't rash transfer him out uh, in hopes of finding the right alchemy that's going to be the premium striker that's going to return. He has such great fixtures coming in the next couple of game weeks. So I think that... Yeah, plus pre- plus in this match, Bucks, it's like, you. what were you expecting from Ronaldo? Probably a exactly, point. Exactly. So instead of two points, he got one point. So it's not something that you should be like, oh my God, I got to rip him out of my squad. Just hold him, and uh, those fixtures are going to turn around after this Arsenal match. So, um, again, as we saw with Vardy, you know, sometimes with some of these these quality picks who have proven that they've been top scorers in the Premier League, you just have to practice patience and make the changes kind of elsewhere around in your team. Unless one of them all of a sudden hits phenomenal form, then it's you know it's a little different. If Kane all of a sudden has three goals in two matches, then that's a sign that. You know, you can move off of them. But until we see that from, you know, on a consistent basis, I wouldn't do that. Agreed. And I just think this gives credence to the fact that you should be holding one premium striker and one premium midfielder. Again, we can't give you advice and predict who's going to be the one that returns, but that's the roster construction right now that I think makes the most sense. All right. Next question is from Thomas and Nick, both asking if it's time to go against the crowd and give the armband to someone not named Sala, or is that potentially too risky to climb rank at this point? So Bucks, I know we've been on Sala for so many weeks. I can't even remember um, who I had captained before him, but at this point, you know, he hasn't scored a goal in a few game weeks, but he's just been trickling in those, those five or six pointers and, those, those look good too, uh, in your side. So what do you think in here, Bucks? Do you think it's time to uh, punt on somebody else? It's too bold for me. I think he's by far and away the best FPL asset. He has 131 points total. He's owned by 72% of the game and he hasn't blanked since game week two. So you're going to be going against a guy who's in crazy Jeez. form. He has good fixtures and if he returns, you're going to just be absolutely punished. So I think the risk 
absolutely outweighs the reward at this point in time. There's plenty of time left in the season to make up rank. And I think that as Brian mentioned last podcast, the way to do it is with the players surrounding Salah as your captain. Those are going to be your differential. So keep the faith. Salah is a goat and he is an incredible player. And as we've mentioned going on a hundred times now, Liverpool are the best offensive side in the premier league and he's their talisman. With that being said, I, I have definitely been thinking about potentially captaining Trent in a couple of these matches coming up. They do have some solid opportunities for clean sheets and Trent has been so attacking um, for, for Liverpool. Um, so that, that is somebody that again, you know, maybe is a small differential because you're going to also own Salah and own Trent or a lot of players own Trent. So could be a smaller, less risky one than going like with a likes of Cancelo or uh, someone else. So, uh, I think that's as close as I've gotten to, um, in ripping that armband off of Salah. And it's still, it's still a decision I, I'm not going to be making anytime soon. Yeah, that's fair. It's a cheeky, cheeky thought, but not one we're bold enough to go with. Last question. Yeah. And this is for all the newbies, uh, but we do want to thank Corby for asking it. He wants to know how the Spurs Burnley match being canceled is going to impact the FPL game. Uh, just to take a step back, it was snowing and there was really bad weather impacting London and all of England this weekend. So much so that the Burnley match was actually snowed out. And this was shocking, I think, to a lot of FPL managers because a lot of these stadiums have professional grounds crew and heated fields. So this is just an absolute shock that it even happened at all. But what this means is that any player who was in this match, a Spurs player, a Burnley player that happens to be in your FPL side, they just blank. They don't feature at all this game week going forward. As we move deeper into the season, there is going to be a rescheduled match between these two sides, and that's going to make a double game week occur, which means that Spurs and Burnley are for certain playing twice in the course of one FPL game week. Now, that's huge as you look to think about your future transfer moves. Obviously, in the current time, that doesn't do you any good if you had Kane, Son, Cornette. Region, all those guys blank and you leave with nothing. So that's that's a painful blow and an unexpected one uh, in what should have been a, a pretty entertaining match. Yeah, and I mean, this week was just so tough to stomach because your differentials in Sun or Kane are so expensive as well. It's not like you had like, you know, maybe a mid-tier midfielder miss out, you know, and you can recoup that across the rest of your team. It's like having a 10 to 12 million you know, pound player out of your team for a week. It, it really sucks. So I feel for myself first and foremost, and uh, those other managers who had uh, Kane and son this week, but in terms of the match being rescheduled, this will happen sometime down the line right now. It's going to be really too hard in this first half of the season to reschedule this match between these teams, especially, um, you know, playing in European football as well, in addition to their premier league, um, you know, schedule. So this might happen, you know, game with 20 plus down the line. So when that time comes, you'll want, you'll definitely, you know, be bringing in um, the likes of Reggian or potentially Sun or Kane, because they will have that double game week. And, uh, you know, you're going to be in a much better spot knowing when that uh, double game week is going to be. And I think overall, especially Bucks, as we have a lot of listeners who are new to the FPL game, double game weeks are like where, 
you know, seasons are, you know, made, you know, people can rise through the ranks if they have the right collection of players, they feature twice in a game week, you captain one of those players and their halls galore. So that is when you'll be using, you know, a lot of your chips, your chip strategy, you know, hopefully you've held off on those bench boosts and free hit chips because there will be double game weeks later. And uh, one of the uh, prime sources to follow is Ben Krellen on Twitter. He's basically the spreadsheet guru. He, he will basically later on break it down for like by percentage chance of a double game week occurring at this specific point in time based on FA Cup, based on Champions League, based on Premier League. It, it's a, truly remarkable. Uh, so definitely give him a, uh, a follow on Twitter and um, you know, those, uh, those spreadsheets will be circulated um, when this time comes later in the season. Yeah. At Ben Crowen, he is a spreadsheet mastermind with that. I think we really appreciate as always the engagement from our fans. We want to jump to our transfer and captain plans going into game week 14. Again, don't make the transfer moves just yet. If you can avoid it, And let's try and be patient, but not too patient because we don't want to miss the deadline, which is on Tuesday. Transfer thoughts, Bucks. Let's jump into it. I'm behind the eight ball because I feel like the last few weeks I have unfortunately been late to the game on Reese James. Now I'm late to the game on Jota. And both of those players seem like must owns. So that's where my immediate um, you know, attention goes to, I see a Phil Foden still flagged, did not feature. He's, you know, in my team at about 8 million or so transfer value. So my main question for you is, do you just move Foden on to Jota and then jump on a different Manchester city, um, midfielder in a couple of weeks, or is it worth taking a hit for me specifically? to upgrade the likes of Rafinha who has Crystal Palace and Brentford in the next two, but then he has Chelsea, Manchester city, Arsenal, and like Liverpool in the next four out of five after that, you know, is it worth the hit to, to upgrade Rafinha to Jota and hold on to Foden? So those are my kind of macro thoughts in the next few days. I need to figure out. Uh, what do you think? Ideally I'd want to keep both guys. Uh, I think wait and see on Foden uh, hoping that he was, cautiously rested and given the full break in this match but it's not good that he wasn't even on the bench I think that's definitely a concerning sign and signal from Pep I guess I I don't like the idea of having to kind of hokey cokey Phil Foden out of your side only to bring him back in maybe in one or two game weeks but I would want to hold on to Rafinha at least until that Chelsea fixture so I agree that's I'm not giving you a full answer but uh I'm sure we'll we'll learn more in the coming days between now and the start of game week 14 to make the decision. I definitely, I agree with you. For you and your squad, you need to have Jota. So you need to figure out a way to get him. Yeah. And like, I'm already, you know, behind in points. So I don't necessarily want to take a hit. And it's kind of funny because I, I love how talented Foden is, but, you know, I capitalized on his 18 point massive haul in game week nine. But since then, He's accrued a total of, let's see, five, six, six points in four matches, including a, a complete uh, you know, no-show in this past one. So he hasn't been lighting the world on fire. We know he can. Um, but at this point, I'm, I'm kind of just leaning towards saving that hit 
and just bringing in Jota, who is in form and healthy now. Um, I'm also just a little bit worried about, you know, obviously there's Pep Roulette, but they, they're basically going to play this midweek game um, versus Villa, which is, that's a fine fixture. But then they have Watford after that, and then they have a Champions League match in between. So like it, it's a lot of fo- potential football. And, you know, if, if Pep truly views him in his best starting 11, he's going to want to manage his minutes. So I think at this point in time, I'm, I'm just leaning towards that. And that means I have to hold on to uh, blankers like Huang and, and Bomo. And I mean, obviously it helps to have some players on the bench um, because we're going to see some rotation coming up. But uh, those players are seem also just low, very low, uh, low ceiling at the moment. So it's uh, I guess they're just going to have to be dealt with later in this current setup. That's fair. And and you mentioned earlier that your captain's going to be Salah. Uh, for me, I'm I'm also in a kind of concerning place, not because of my starting 11, so to speak, but I have Edward and Duffy. And Duffy, really, him not featuring the last couple matches has spooked me Ugh. in a very bad way because I was relying on him to be my piece of Brighton's defense, which looked really strong. But if they're going to be playing this new kind of three at the back with wing back setup, Duffy's spot is really at jeopardy. And that's not a good situation for FPL managers. He's now starting to be on the price decline. So he's in a, in a position that's making my bench that I thought would be solid enough to carry me through at least a couple of these festive fixtures look in a real bad way. So I'm hoping right now, based on not knowing what the press conferences say to roll my transfer. But as Brian mentioned, I also have Phil Foden. And so him and Duffy kind of being potentially not playing FPL assets right now, that puts me in a bad place. So I will be transferring out Edward or Mbomo based on the Foden health report from Pep. So if I yeah, Box, I mean, FPL moves so quickly, right? Maybe three weeks ago, we were super confident that Edward was nailed in that Crystal Palace attack and he had some great showings and was, you know, being acclimated into the team. And then Duffy as well, you know, a mainstay in the, in the Brighton defense. And now you can't rely on either of those guys. So, it, it definitely provides additional headache where you don't want it. And I think for, for you, and I mean, the easy move, obviously you can potentially wait on it, but bringing in Josh King for Edward seems like, you know, a way that frees up some funds and you're bringing a player on who's nailed and on pens. Um, just, just uh, uh, somebody, whether if, if you do it this week or next, somebody that I would be considering for, for your squad specifically. Yeah, he's definitely in my thoughts. The only reason I'm kind of wanting to hold off is because he does have two really difficult fixtures. So Chelsea City, I, I'd probably bench almost any striker in those back-to-back fixtures. So yep. freeing up the funds right now, if I'm not going to take a hit to make another move, it seems like that's a move that could just wait. Uh, so that's my thinking there. And then- Do you, do you have money in the bank for Mbomo upgrade or what, what do you got? Not enough. I have 0.5 million. So- I'm a little hamstrung like, right now and I don't want to. And that, that can't get you Gallagher, right? Gallagher's no, I'm now just, 6.1. I'm just, I'm just short of a Gallagher Ugh. swap. The real this, issue this is this damn game, Bucks. This damn game. It's always exactly, the penny exactly. that you You're need. It's the point a, one. Ugh. If only we had Livermento and not Duffy, we would be in this situation. Alas, alas, I will say that as always, Salah is going to be my captain. And 
as Brian and I have spoken about in many previous podcasts and really is one of our ethos going into the season, we're trying when possible to avoid hits. It's a needless way to lose rank and to give away points that are hard earned in this season of FPL. So I'm trying to be patient, but uh, yeah, the press conferences are going to be, uh, they're going to be a tough listen for me with the bench for my FPL squad in such rough shape right now. Yep. Wait for those pressers to come out on uh, Monday, which is tomorrow already. So by the Crazy. time you listen to this pod, hopefully you've also listened to or read up on some presser news. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm joining you as well on solid captain, easy decision. He'll be able to sleep in his own bed in Liverpool and, uh, you know, drive to the stadium. Um, so that's an easy uh, commute for him. And I think he's he's due a goal, you know, Bucks. I feel like oh, I agree. Maybe two, he's been trickling maybe two, in, so maybe three. Yeah, he, he might be. He might be due for a, a goal and an assist for a nice 25, 26 pointer. So uh, we're looking forward to capping him again. And vice cap, um, I would say just based on, again, some learnings that we've had in the past, it, it does help to vice captain a player who's in a different fixture in case something crazy happens. And we've seen crazy shit happen the last year. Absolutely. COVID games get canceled. We saw the Manchester riots. We saw the snow snow day game. So like, Make sure you're vice captaining a player in a different fixture um, just so you have that coverage. Because if you don't have a captain going that week, that is one of the worst feelings that I wish upon zero FPL managers. And as Buck said, we can be quite twisted and wish bad things upon our, our mini league rivals. Make sure to follow that, uh, that captain's and vice captain strategy. Good shout. Good shout. And with that, we're going to sign off here. We're going to be back in just a couple of days. Don't miss us too much, but we really do appreciate you, our listeners, for staying tuned and for subscribing to at FPL Blues Podcast on all social media. Give us a listen. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a listen. And again, give us your questions. We love the engagement. It really sparkles and brightens up our episodes. And it's great to hear from the fans because, you know, we can't be getting green arrows each and every week. We need you guys, the listeners, to give us your thoughts and to tell us and really uh, take the manager of the game week because Brian and I have yet to earn that title. So we're coming for it this coming <laughs> game week. That's for sure. Yeah. And a, a quick shout out to the five people who have given us five stars on Apple, um, Apple iTunes, whatever the store is. Apple Thank podcast, baby. Woo, woo. Continue to uh, listen, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And we appreciate you guys listening as always. Good luck in game week 14, and we'll speak soon. Green arrows all around. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, everyone.